Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and from Iberia Bank, offering comprehensive banking services designed to meet the needs of consumer, small business, and commercial clients, serving Louisiana clients for a hundred 128 years and now serving a regional base with a commitment to developing people and investing in its communities. IberiaBank.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp, Resource Management LLC, and 30 North Investments. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Slick Willie Sutton was an infamous New York bank robber. You may never have heard of him, but you probably heard the folk wisdom that's attributed to him. When he was asked why he robbed banks, he said, because that's where the money is. In business, if your goal is to make as much money as possible, it makes sense, in theory, to target people who've got a lot of it. In the real world, however, most of us are not wealthy, so the market is limited. And unlike bank robbers, a growing number of people in business are out to do more than just make tons of money. Like Cullen Momus and Jamie Wine. Cullen Momus is the Director of Development at the New Orleans Redevelopment Fund, a private company focused on redeveloping neighborhoods in New Orleans with an eye to helping the city eradicate blight. Cullen, welcome out to lunch. Thanks, Peter. Thanks for having me. Jamie Wine is the Executive Director of Energy Wise, a nonprofit organization aimed at bringing energy efficiency to people in places that don't usually have access to it. That includes renters, people who have low income or bad credit scores, schools, churches, and more. Jamie, welcome out to lunch. Thanks for having me. All right. Now, I'm going to start with Cullen. Uh, you have a background as a contract. You spent six years running a company that makes shutters and windows, and you have an MBA from Tulane, so you're a rare person who can marry the practical and the theoretical aspects of running a literally brick-and-mortar business. Uh, renovating a house to sell it rather than live in it is known as speculation or these days flipping. You call it redevelopment. Is flipping what you do without an MBA and redevelopment with an MBA? Or is there something else that distinguishes what you're doing from simply flipping houses? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I, I do think that flipping... Um, is more focused on a short-term quick profit. Uh, I think what we are doing uh, specifically through the New Orleans Redevelopment Fund is long-term hold. Um, we are hoping to, like you mentioned, um, eradicate blight, but at the same time be a long-term player in the neighborhoods that we're in. So we like to hold the properties, uh, be active managers of the properties, uh, and be members of the community that we're in. And what would be typically? You would go into a neighborhood that had, what, several blighted homes? and. Correct. So we've had we've had multiple funds. This is our second fund that we're on. Our first fund was uh, focused on uh, duplexes, threeplexes, and fourplexes, uh, with the intent of um, you know transforming them from blighted properties to managed properties that we would actually turn. So back you into would uh, you would continue to own them and these would be rented out. Correct, and that's what we continue to do. And uh, in, the, in the second fund that we're actually working on now, we're um, uh, targeting larger properties. Uh, I would say um, mixed use type properties, light commercial, larger multi multifamily. And you have a. a big project in Algiers, right? We do. We're working on a, a 10-unit complex right now in Algiers Point, uh, which is the um, it's a, the, the St. Thomas um, Masonic Temple. And uh, oh. we are working on redeveloping that into a 10-unit apartment complex at this time. 
Wow, that is cool. Now, Jamie, energy-wise sounds like a well-meaning idea with its heart in the right place, but it's way more than that. It has a $400,000 operating budget. It's got a staff of five. It's a legitimate small business. Are you funded by block grants or general donations? And really what I'm getting at is, do you get lump sums and decide how to spend it, or are there funds you raise earmarked for specific operations? Yeah, for the most part, we're operating in Orleans Parish, and it's through a contract with uh, city council and energy called Energy Smart. And so it's going into schools and classrooms, but also churches and community groups to spread the word about how people can uh, apply energy efficiency in their own lives and in their in their residential buildings. Now, when I first heard of you guys, you were the the light bulb kings, right? So, so you're talking about green light. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So green light is they are, still are the light bulb kings and queens, and they go out and they'll install free CFL light bulbs uh, in a in a home, and they come out and they literally they bring two volunteers and get on a ladder and change out the light bulbs. Is this the same organization? It's a different organization, but it's a similar funding source. Oh, they're, okay. they're program partners, and it's coming from the the same pool. So I should think of you as the the solar panels. We're the stuff you can't really see. Okay. (laughs) The solar panels are great and the light bulbs are great. We're kind of the bridge between. So if you are thinking about insulation, uh, stuff that I never knew about, like central AC and heating, you need to seal up your ductwork, going around with a tube of silicone or a can of great stuff and filling in holes around your house, adding a door sweep to your door, the the little things like that that add up uh, in the long run. And uh, who does that? So there's participating contractors in the program that will do it. We do a little bit of it. So when we go out to nonprofit organizations, uh, we utilize their volunteers to do like a barn raising, and we teach them how to do it. Now, does the person, the homeowner, do they pay anything? Yeah. So the homeowner does pay part of it. It's it's an instant rebate the way that that program works, and the the homeowner gets it taken off the top of the bill, and then the contractor bills uh, Energy Smart and gets that piece paid for. So they're getting, the contractor is getting paid market rates. The, the homeowner is paying a little bit less, you know, 5 to 20%. It depends on what they do. And then uh, you've got kind of a DIY part to it, too, where you're showing people how to do it. Right. We've got a few workshops and then the nonprofit piece where we say, hey, this isn't that hard. You know, you might not have thought about it before, but I mean, think, think about all the holes in your walls. And you don't really know that they're there if you're not thinking about them. Uh, but there's places like a plumber comes in and puts a use a four inch hole saw and then puts a two inch pipe in. Well, there's a big <laughs> gap there, and so just filling that in uh, and 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 see, air sealing the space makes a big difference. These kind of savings on a percentage of disposable income mean right. a lot more to these folks than you know an upper middle class person. Absolutely, and we're. We're looking at what does it mean to get the most benefit. It's not necessarily people that are impoverished although or below the median income, you know, the lower income spectrum. It's people that you wouldn't necessarily think of, people like veterans or uh, people who are older, you know, who are on a fixed income, or maybe people that are just striking off on their own. They're 18 or they're 24 and they're, they're just getting their own apartment or their own place. And they start you know, getting them to think about what's it going to cost to operate the place where I live. And how can I, I make an improvement on that or ask the right questions of the landlord so that I, I get the, the energy savings I need to pay my bills? And both of you, are you inherently handy? I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I am. Colin, you've been in Mid-City, uh, Bayou St. John. Um, as these communities get developed, do you move on? You know, you look at this, the city was built for like about 650,000 people. So uh, is that what you do? You kind of go to the next place that... I think a lot of it is determined by the market, and uh, we are specifically focused at this time, majority of our investments in Mid-City. I will say, though, um, 
it's a transition that we've seen just from our first fund, and it's actually the reason that we started our second fund, was because we saw the opportunities shrinking in Mid-City. Not necessarily the number of blighted houses that are there, which are going down, um, but the price point and the entrance point to actually make an investment in the area. Um, I would say that is what has led us to go from this duplex, threeplex, and fourplex um, type investment into some of these larger projects. Um, everyone, as we, we joke about it all the time, but everyone really is competition when you're looking at developing doubles, threeplexes, and fourplexes. Um, you know, individuals who are kind of getting closer to retirement, who are looking for additional cash flow in there, you know, in the bank. Um, there are people who are looking to make investments. Um, young professionals who are either looking to buy a house for the first time or actually be able to subsidize their rent by renters. Um, they're also um, their competition as well. And what we've seen, we've seen a drastic increase in the purchase price for, say, a single, double, or threeplex property in the mid city range. A year and a half, two years ago, we were able to buy properties. Thirty thousand dollars for fifteen hundred square foot home. Today, we can't go find a blighted property, same type, for under hundred grand. And so, with that being said, wow. that kind of focused our, you know, changed our focus in terms of finding some of these properties that that still had value in Mid City, where we're able to use some of the, uh, I guess, um, uh, some of the resources that we have, and actually be able to make a bigger impact by stepping up in, into a larger market. So, say we're doing now instead of doing a fifteen hundred square foot property, maybe we're doing a fifteen thousand square foot property. And uh, generally, you're keeping the houses in their original structure and such. You're not tearing them down and. That is correct. And in fact, you know, I'd say the Louisiana Historic Tax Credit um, program has been very powerful for us. It wasn't something that was um, a driver in our initial business plan, but I would say over the course of a year and a half to two years, it's become a significant portion of how we um, target properties. And uh, we do, we restore, we take pride in restoring properties back to their original charm and being able to turn, you know, a double back into a double um, with the historic features and characteristics that it initially had. Jamie, I got to ask you, these are, we're, we're talking about how Cullen's able to keep those old houses kind of the way that they were and such, but that these old houses are going to be, they've got to be your target market, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's been a long and heavy lift to get local contractors who have been doing this for a long time to think about uh, energy efficiency as part of what they do. So plumbers, carpenters, uh, people who are doing HVAC installs. You know, come, they come out and they just kind of eyeball it because they've been doing it forever. And they're like, yeah, we need a four-ton AC unit out here. Well, if you seal up the house you, and you do some of these energy efficiency stuff things first, then you could go down to two and a half tons or three tons, save some money there. And so it ends up being a similar cost, but then long-term operating the property, you're looking at a lower operating cost. And Colin, i got to ask, there are members of the community that, you know, say that folks like you are gentrifying the communities. You're, you're in kind of a pickle. Where do you walk that line? I, so, and frequently asked these questions, and, and where I start off is explaining to people that I'm from New Orleans, born and raised here. Um, I am doing my best with the resources that, you know, our company has at its disposable to really make a positive impact in the neighborhoods that I grew up in. Um, but where we do draw the line and where we, we try to explain ourselves is, you know, we see some blighted properties in the neighborhood, and, and we know that there are havens for crime, havens for drug dealing, havens for, I mean, really violent crime. I can say multiple properties that we've actually purchased um, within a day or a week or you know two of us purchasing the properties there have been murders on the corner uh, and we're happy when we renovate these properties have them rented out we're able to look at them you know a week a month afterwards and we see you know we see development happening across the street and around the corner and the people that come up to us people who live there for 40 years who sometimes they tell you you know we weren't sure what you guys were going to do but we really thank you for what you've done and that, that's really we can only explain ourselves by continuing to do 
and continuing to do better. Well, I've got to think that you know one of the complaints is that it's so hard to get, uh, you know, moderate rent. It's a constant challenge from the fund side and from the investment side. Um, it does get to be a point where you realize that affordable housing in the city is a problem. When over the last two three years, you see the trajectory that rents have gone on, um, and realize that some of the properties that we put on market, not even sure I could afford the rents there. Um, it makes you think that there is a need to continue to work in the future on affordability in the city. It's something that we're doing right now on a new construction project that we have on uh, in Mid-City on Bank Street, where uh, it's the first model of its kind that I know in the city where there are going to be condos for sale, but targeting affordability. So it's going to target individuals earning 80 to 120 percent of the average median income in the area. Um, and it is something that we take seriously, and I do think as we continue to see the city with more units coming online, I think the natural balance between supply and demand is starting to even out. But I will say the trend over the last two years has been troubling um, for people who continually advocate for affordable housing, but also you know, internally as we see these numbers, really what's the sustainability right. moving forward. And Jamie, part of the appeal of what you're doing deals with tax credits. Uh, has there been changes uh, and are you expecting additional changes am i that's a loaded question oh. <laughs> what what's going on with the tax situation in baton rouge right now it's any anyone's guess but uh last year there was a huge uh there was a huge compromise among the solar companies who are doing solar installs and solar leasing and the legislature to sunset that rebate and so it was a it was a great rebate <laughs> it was uh 50 for an installed system so I installed a system on my home. It's a $25,000 system, and the state gives you back 12500 bucks. And but so now? Now it's been, it's been dialed back to 10000 and there's only $10 million a year. It's either 10 or $30 million. It depends on if you're leasing or buying. Uh, and so there's, you know, it's a, for $10 million, that's 1,000 houses. And so yeah. once you install the 1,000 houses, the tax credit's up. And that puts the contractors in a tough situation. You know, how do you know where you're at and, and, and figure out if you can offer that to your customer? And so as, as you see these provisions sunsetting, you see the, the solar industry changing how they're marketing things. And personally, I think it's a good thing. You get um, solar companies who will start marketing the solar more and the tax credit less because the tax credit was a huge selling point for a long time. And did. I can picture Cullen going out and looking for new neighborhoods to invest in. Yourself, do they come to you or do you come to them? For our our base, yeah. we go to them. Uh, people don't understand that energy efficiency is their issue. I mean, imagine you know you get your energy bill every month and you just pay it, or you just or you right. just struggle with paying it. You're like, what am, what am I not going to pay so I can pay my energy bill? And then a month or two goes by, and energy says energy comes out and turns off your meter with with, with non payment. And so people felt, um, you know, they felt locked in. You know, they couldn't do anything about it. So. One of our core messages is this is a way to empower yourself to manage the energy in your home. Between do you do it door-to-door, -door, Jamie, or do you have – how do you get the word out? Energy Smart has gone door-to-door, -door, um, and one of the other programs, NOLAWISE, that used to kind of be part of Energy Smart, um, they, they had a canvassing program. I know a lot of the contractors will go door-to-door -door sometimes, depending on the neighborhood, or they'll get someone in the neighborhood to do it and then invite all their friends over to see see the improvements that were made and have cookies. A weatherization party. Yeah. That is so great. <laughs> yeah. I, but I we, guess if you bring beer, you can really have it on any theme. Right? I will show up to lots of places where there's beer. <laughs> <laughs> the, but we generally go out to people, neighborhood associations, churches, school groups. One of the things I would think is that once you did one house, other groups in, the, in that neighborhood would, would want to be part of it, I Definitely. I mean, we, we as a nonprofit, we don't generally. In fact, we've never done an individual's house. Uh, but the contractors that that is one of their their key 
uh, marketing tactics is, you know, that word of mouth. That's, I mean, as anything in New Orleans, right? Word of mouth is, is critical. Small town. <laughs> now it's time we do the checklist. This is a part of the show where we take a little break and ask you a quick question that you probably wouldn't find on a loan application. I'm going to start with Cullen. Who's probably days. Yeah, he's probably done a couple of loan applications. So let's see, Cullen. If you could change one thing about New Orleans, what would it be? And uh, it is a, you know, only about a half an hour show. So <laughs> I'll, I'll keep it short. No, um, you know, I, I think the one thing about New Orleans that if, if I could snap my fingers and have something change would be the violent crime in the city. And I think it's such a multifaceted issue and so many ways to tackle it. Um, but, you know, it's something that we see. Um, I mean, everyone here sees it day to day. Um, I see the concern in our tenants, you know, in our tenants, they're asking all times, this is a safe neighborhood to be in. Uh, and when you can't really look them in the eye and be 100% honest with them when you, and let them know, oh, you're safe here. Um, but then again, I, I don't know if we're 100% safe anywhere, uh, specifically in the city, but really anywhere. And I, I think the things that are changing, the, the violent crime, I hope will change over time, is going to be the education uh, reform that we've seen in the city, and hopefully that continues. Um, and it, it, it's a tough topic. Yeah, and that's tough a real topic to deal education. with. Education, that's a real long-term. It is, uh, and so so how quickly will violent crime change? I'm not sure, um, but you know, for the sake of myself, my family, my kid, you know, I do hope to see that change. I don't want to have more murders on corners where you're no, hammering. There's that's true. Keep hammering more. Hammer. I think that's, that's probably the, that's right. the help there. Now, Jamie, are you a different person at work than you are in the rest of your life? I'm a big proponent of work being part of the rest of your life, and so I have been the past I've, I've managed a few organizations uh, and I, I've in the past tried to put up this facade of you know professionalism and business but if something's really bugging you at home and you're having a tough time you bring that to work and so I try to uh, manage my staff with a look towards their you know the personal life isn't taboo you know if something's going on we should talk about it it should be part of what is happening for you if you need time or space or you're having a crummy day and it's just things aren't getting done the way you want it to that that's okay to talk about and uh, making that change, I think, has made our work environment a lot uh, more a, a more welcoming place to be for lots of different kinds of people. Well, that's a management really style in itself. I mean, some people just want to wall all that off. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, well, we get along real well at work. So good. That's great. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's great. You always want to go there and enjoy it, right? Yeah, as much, yeah. as, much as possible. Bring the beer. Colin yeah. has to do that because he's all these people have hammers and things like that. <laughs> but it's. Uh, right. I was thinking, Colin, when you were at Tulane, you were head of the Tulane Entrepreneurs Association. So was. this was sort of in your blood, right? It, How did you decide this was the avenue, though? Well, so uh, before moving back to New Orleans, actually, I was living in South Boston with my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time. And when Hurricane Katrina hit, I told her. I need to move back to the city to be with my family, but also had a, a calling to the city. You know, I feel like that's part of my family. And uh, just quickly go through it, I took the job, and like you said, with a home improvement company here and was with them for about six years and um, decided in that time that you know, I was flipping some houses on my own and I knew I had a passion for real estate development. So I went back to Tulane and, and focused on getting my MBA. While I was there, I met my partners now who are Tulane alums as well, Alex Hernandez and Mike Nemzo. And... Um, we were at a networking event, and Alex Hernandez asked me, he said, what are you interested in doing when you graduate from school? I said, well, I'm president of Tulane Entrepreneurs Association, so very plugged into the entrepreneurial uh, community here in New Orleans and would love to start a new venture or work with a new venture, but at the same time have a passion for real estate development. And he chuckled. He said, well, you know, my former classmate and I, one of my good friends, were actually looking at starting a real estate investment fund in New Orleans. And, you know, I, I, I couldn't think of, you know, two things yeah. more better. So that's how I, I came to be with New Orleans Redevelopment Fund. And, uh it's been three years now, and hopefully quite a few more. 
Cullen Momus, Jamie Wine, as long as the wealth gap continues to grow, it becomes ever more important to find new ways to give all of us access to a middle-class American lifestyle. Both of you are working hard to help achieve that here in New Orleans and both in inventive, creative ways. Thanks so much for everything you do for the city and also thanks for taking the time out to join me and Out to Lunch. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having us. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Cullen Momus, he's Director of Development at the New Orleans Redevelopment Fund, and Jamie Wine, Executive Director of Energy Wise. You can find out more about Cullen's developments and Jamie's wisdom by following the links on our websites. It's neworleans.com and wwno.org. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday, with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Today's show is engineered by Chris Keogh. Our researcher is Matthew Ellefson. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitch's music from his work with the Maha Vishnu Orchestra all the way to his latest record, Puzzle, is at MitchellForeman.com. You can get the show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows. And you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, www.no.org, and it's neworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, and these two well-dressed guys are often mistaken for male models, you can find photos from this show on our website and Facebook page. These photos were taken today by Allison Moon. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business, New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and from Iberia Bank, offering comprehensive banking services designed to meet the needs of consumer, small business, and commercial clients, serving Louisiana clients for 100 128 years and now serving a regional base with a commitment to developing people and investing in its communities, iberiabank.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp, Resource Management, LLC, and 30 North Investments.